It's Friday morning in the emergency department at the Royal Children's Hospital, Melbourne. It's not too busy yet, but the real rush will come later on and during the weekend. Around me are children and their caregivers and a big team of clinical staff looking after each case. There are some kids with respiratory complaints, some with injuries, nothing too major this morning. I'm Matthew Emond and I'm an educational play therapist at the Royal Children's Hospital. Today I'm going to introduce you to some of my colleagues to help you understand what effect hospital can have on a child and what we, as health professionals, can do about it. Hospital can be an unfamiliar place for children and families. They are met with unfamiliar faces, complex equipment, strange sounds and confusing terminology. This can lead to anxiety. The first person I'm speaking to today is Louise Marbina. I'm the manager of educational play therapy and music therapy here at the Royal Children's Hospital. Louise, what's unique about a child's experience of hospital? Um, hospitals are unfamiliar places for lots of children and families who come here. So part of what we can do to make things a little bit easier is we can, as professionals, remember that there are developmental considerations that we need to take into account when we support children and families. So when you say different developmental stages, can you explain that a little more? It's pretty straightforward. If you think that um, children across the developmental age span, ranging from infants through to adolescents, will react to hospital and procedures and their illnesses in very different ways. What are some examples? Infants learn through their senses. So one of the ways that we can help parents feel more important in terms of the procedure is to involve them as much as possible in what we do. So often we'll make sure parents are holding their infant, um, comforting them, have a favourite toy with them. Toddlers, for example, it's the same thing again. We maximise caregiver involvement. Often toddlers will display stranger or separation anxiety. They often are very scared of lying flat on their back. So we need to be aware of these types of things when we work with toddlers and adapt our approach, maybe sing with them, use bubbles, music, all those types of sensory processing things can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. What about preschoolers? Preschool children are very egocentric and are beginning to develop a sense that they have or should have some control which they don't have when they come to hospital. Separation from their parents causes lots of anxiety for them so again it's important to include parents in as much as you can with their procedure. We use play, we let them explore the equipment, we'll use prep books, we'll explain things to them in as simple a way as we possibly can so that we dispel any myths that they might have about what's going to happen to them. School-aged children, they're much more aware of their own body, their peer group, of being a bit different. So part of empowering them in the process is to give them tasks to do within the procedure. So I'm going to ask you to lie really still or I want you to hold this piece of equipment. Again, explaining to them what's going to happen, letting them look at the procedure rooms, letting them look at the equipment, all very, very positive. 
Adolescents are quite a unique group. They're very conscious of body image and of um, being different. So we have to be really mindful of their need for privacy and also to give them as much control over what's going to happen to them as we possibly can. Often what we find, regardless of the developmental age of the patient, their previous experience of hospital has a huge impact on how well or not they'll cope. We need to be mindful that coping strategies um, are unique to the individual and it's our responsibility to make sure that each visit to the hospital is as positive as it possibly can be. The anxiety level that a parent displays will have a direct effect on how well a child or young person will cope with the procedure. What we do to support parents is we'll give them a job to do within the procedure because often when parents' anxiety levels begin to rise it's because they feel out of control, they can't do their normal job which is to protect their child. By giving them a bit of control, asking them to do something worthwhile and positive within the procedure often reduces the anxiety for them which means it reduces the anxiety for the child. That's Louise Marbina, Manager of Educational Play Therapy and Music Therapy at the Royal Children's Hospital. We're talking today about the effects of hospitalisation on the child, and one of the biggest challenges for the children can be the medical terminology that health professionals are used to. Amber Hill has been researching how our language can sometimes be more confronting than our actions. My name is Amber Hill and I'm an Educational Play Therapist. My role is to help children and young people cope with the stressors of the hospital environment. One of the areas that I work in is the emergency department. And when children and families walk through the emergency department doors, they're, they're met with a totally unfamiliar environment. So Amber, give me an example of how the words we use in hospital affect the children in our care. There, there are words that, that we use around the hospital every day that are not necessarily wrong words to use but could, could it be easily misconstrued by not only children because because they just don't understand the words but also families because they're not used to being in the hospital setting. So what should we consider about the words we use? Thinking of the dual meanings of, of words that we say and, and thinking of a child's development. You know, younger children have very big imaginations and so when we don't explain exactly what a word means on their developmental level. You know, they, they, can, they can explode things in their imaginations to either something good or something very scary when, when we, we don't fill in the gaps. How would you explain to a child, Amber, why they need to take medicine through an IV? You usually take medicine probably by your mouth. Today you have to take medicine a different way. It's a bit funny way. You need something called an IV. What IV means is in the vein. And do you know what your veins are? Your veins are these blue lines that are on your arms. Have a look. And it's a special straw that will help give you a drink of medicine into your body, straight into your body. So you don't even have to have a drink of medicine in your mouth, it goes straight into your body. It's the fastest way we can give you a drink of medicine, a drink of medicine, a drink of medicine. That's Amber Hill demonstrating appropriate language when describing a procedure such as cannulation to a young child. And if you are listening carefully, you'll have noticed that Amber never mentioned a word like painful. 
but using developmentally appropriate language, she focused on the positives of getting the medicine straight into the vein. You can tell me when to stop, okay? Okay, wait, wait, wait. Give me your hands, okay? This is a recording of a procedure in the Children's Cancer Centre. Carrie, what are we watching here? Sure, well, the, this procedure is with little Jonas, um, and this is his first um, dressing change, which is also a big element of distress, is unfamiliarity of procedures. Carrie Peters is from the Comfort First team at the Royal Children's Hospital. Carrie, describe a little more about this scene for the listeners. Um, in this, in this um, procedure, um, it's him, mum, and his little brother who are watching. And Jonas is quite visibly distressed from what's going on. He's crying, he's shaking his legs, he's, um, he's not wanting this to happen, essentially. Um, but the nurse is quite lovely, she's trying to be calm and help him along, and mum's trying to provide him support as well. But essentially, Jonas is distressed throughout the entire procedure. So how would a Comfort First clinician or an educational play therapist be able to assist here? So if we were to come in and provide some procedural support in this situation, it might give mum the opportunity to just do um, some, co some comforting to Jonas, whereas right now she's attempting to provide distractions, she's trying to calm him down, she's trying to do a, very, a variety of jobs that um, maybe she didn't, she needn't do just herself. So if a procedural support person was to come in, we could provide distraction, we can guide the situation, we can make sure that Jonas is being heard and what his needs are and work with nursing and work with mom to provide support to Jonas in an individual way that's, that um, works for him. Just coming into hospital, even a wonderful new hospital like ours with its artworks and aquarium, there can still be a lot that adds to the stress levels of the child. Can you explain that a little? Um, so any child or young person walking into a treatment room is automatically scanning the room to see what's going on, um, what's, what's out, what's available to them and what potentially is going to be used on them. So often children will be like, oh, what's that happening over there in the corner? Um, it may be they see a needle that could be for them or for someone else, and but the automatic reaction is that it's going to be for them. Um, they're aware of how many people are in the room and why there's so many people in the room and um, what the purpose of each person is. Basically, they're assessing what's going on and how it might affect them in the future. It's it's quite intimidating to walk into a treatment room and there's various medical um, machines around. Sometimes we have odd um, pictures hanging on the wall that are quite disturbing to a young person. So we trying to look at our treatment rooms from a child's perspective is really important. Trying to remove as much of the medical equipment as possible to minimise the number of people and number of furniture as well, trying to make it an environment that's a bit warmer and welcoming to children. So what happens when a child's eyes wander around the room? As an example, yesterday I had a little girl walk into the treatment room and instantly will step back and go, oh, what's that on the tray? And right away we had to clarify that wasn't for her, it was set up for someone else. And she was, as soon as she had that information, she was able to move forward. But I think responding to those things and, and being aware of what they're looking at and, um, and responding quickly to that to alleviate their anxiety is really important. That was Carrie Peters, a Comfort First clinician, explaining the environmental stresses of hospital. So, you can see that making children comfortable during procedures and reducing the general fears and anxieties they have in a hospital setting has a positive effect. 
not only during their visit, but also their ability to cope with repeat visits and procedures. Resilience is something we can cultivate in children. To explain more, let's hear from another member of the educational play therapy team. Hi, I'm Judy and I'm the educational play therapist at the medical imaging department at Royal Children's Hospital. In the medical imaging department, we have lots of different large pieces of equipment, actually. X-ray machines, CT machines, MRI, ultrasound, nuclear med. These are all fairly scary pieces of equipment. And children can find this quite a scary place to come. So as play therapists, we try to make that a much more friendly experience for children. Instead of it being a traumatic Uh, event, we try to turn it into a positive learning experience for them. In other words, we try to build resilience. So what does that word resilience really mean? Well, resilience really means uh, being able to cope with stress and anxiety and be able to bounce back afterwards. It's actually a really positive life skill. And what we really aim to do uh, as play therapists is to help children come to that point uh, where they feel that even though they have been through a rather traumatic experience, they can cope with it and feel proud of themselves afterwards. To acquire resilience, children need to be accepted, respected, valued, Uh, They need safety, they need to be able to develop trusting relationships and uh, they also need to feel that they have some autonomy in the process. We all have fears. I mean, can you imagine if you had to teach somebody whose greatest fear was going in the water? The worst thing you can do would be to just line them up there and push them in. If you use the same sort of parameters I've been talking about, providing them with an accepted and respected uh, environment, letting them feel the water first, encouraging them, reassuring them, making sure that they trust you and trust what you're telling them, that would be the way to finally teach them how to go in the water. So you can transfer that skill to nearly any situation that you come across when people are afraid. And if we cultivate that resilience, what does it mean for the child? Most people would think that coming into a hospital and having to undergo certain invasive tests, children couldn't ever have anything positive to take away from that. But actually, they can take away this resilience as a starting step. And leaving the hospital situation, this child can actually carry that skill with them. Resilience is a skill for life. If you are resilient, you can cope with lots of anxiety and still bounce back. Judy McGough, reflecting on the long-term benefits of building resilience. It's a fact that many children we see will be back in hospital one day, perhaps time and time again, even into adulthood. Helping children cope is a part of their long-term care. If we don't get that right first time, 
we run the risk of that child and family developing increasing anxiety for every time that they come to the hospital. So that's why it's really important that we have to try really hard with every family, get it right from the beginning, give them a positive experience because that's what gives them the longest term positive outcomes. Many thanks to the Educational Play Therapy and Comfort First teams at the Royal Children's Hospital Melbourne for participating in this program. Technical production was by the Educational Resource Centre. I'm Matthew Eamond. Thanks for listening.